Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk about your own anxiety. And I've had a couple of episodes on this in the past, but I feel like I have more to talk about related to how dealing with our own anxiety can help us become a better parent. Not that our anxiety causes our children's anxiety, but when we work on our own anxiety, we become such better parents, we become such better people, and we also wind up helping our kids with anxiety. So I'm going to break it down, talk about how that is, and how you can start working on your own anxiety. So it's not surprising that many of us have our own anxiety because anxiety has an incredibly strong genetic component and our kids are going to come by anxiety naturally for most of us. So if, if you don't have anxiety, anxiety more likely than not runs in your family somewhere, even though back in the day, we didn't call it really anxiety. We didn't really label or diagnose people. We just said, you know, they worry a lot or they're pretty stressed out. And a lot of parents that come and see me in my practice, they don't have an identified anxiety disorder. When I just say, oh, is there any anxious people in your family? Normally one partner or the other partner looks at each other (laughs) and kind of looks and points to the other one and said, yep, it's him or yep, it's her. So my entire family is ridden with anxious genes. So we come by it very naturally at my house. And a lot of times you may not even know that you have anxiety or that anxiety is an issue for you until you become a parent. So that's not a coincidence. Parenting in general is very anxiety producing. And even if you have never had anxiety before, when you're experiencing raising little people, you're going to have some anxiety or you're going to have more anxiety than you would when you're not raising little people, because there's all sorts of stressors when you're responsible for another human being. But I also think that it puts our own anxiety. If we have like an anxiety disorder really in the spotlight, because we are having to talk to more people. We're having to do more things that are out of our comfort zone. We are having to worry about somebody else's health other than our own, worrying about someone else's safety other than our own. So depending on what your particular anxiety theme is in your own life, it's going to trigger in different ways when you're parenting. If you always worry about your own health and your own safety, then you might start worrying about your child's health and your child's safety. If you always worried about talking to people, well, then you're going to start getting very uncomfortable at, you know, play dates and parties and school conferences and things that are going to make you have to come out of your shell a bit. So there are many, many, many different ways in which we can become anxious, (laughs) but I'll talk about how it holds you back. So I really did not identify as having like a clinical anxiety disorder until I had children, which is really weird because now I look back at my childhood and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was ridden with anxiety. I mean, I was dry heaving before any new event, before the first day of school, before going to a birthday party. (laughs) I mean, I obviously had some problems. And I remember being up at night all the time trying to put my covers up to my neck because I thought in some way 
that was going to protect my body from a bullet because I thought like a, a bad guy was imminent. You know, a bad guy was going to be coming through the doors and, you know, my safety was at risk every night when I went to bed. That's not normal. So those were two of my areas, but I never identified as having anxiety, even once I became a child therapist until I had kids. And even then, not until I was about, I would say a good eight years into parenting. And that's pretty crazy too. So it can hold you back because if you worry about safety, then you might not be allowing your child to do things that, that other parents are allowing their kids to do. And you might be overwhelmed all the time with your child's um, well-being to the point where you're not able to really enjoy your child. So it holds back your parenting on many levels because one, you're not in the moment, you're in the what if moment, and you're not enjoying your child to the level that you can because anxiety robs that from us. And that's not fair. So it can hold you back in that sense. And it can also hold you back in the sense that you may not be able to advocate for your child in the way that you need to, because you don't want to make a scene or it's poking at your own anxiety. So there are so many ways that our own anxiety can hold us back. And I'll talk about my own experience and relate that to how anxiety held me back as a parent for a really long time. I felt like a fish out of water. And so I avoided any social interaction like the plague and that that became very consuming because birthday cards in backpacks were enough for me to panic and somebody scribbling their phone number and giving it to my child so that they can call and have a play date. That would be upsetting for me for, for days. And I would try to lose the number. (laughs) It wasn't until I actually wrote a book and you may have heard me talk about this before where I had to get out there and be interviewed a lot. And I started to develop my online world that I realized to what level I was getting anxious in social situations. And then I really started to work on it. And I'll talk about how that improved my parenting. So in the past, a lot of parenting issues would be triggering for me. And I would, I would work on avoiding and if my child was having a problem, I wouldn't want to confront it because I didn't like confrontation. And so, or if my child needed something, I wasn't a good advocate for my child because I didn't want to be embarrassed or I didn't want to call attention to myself. So my anxiety was getting in the way of my parenting. And I didn't realize that until I started really working on my social anxiety. And the only reason why I started working on my social anxiety is because I started to recognize it when I started to do my online work and started to be interviewed a lot and was writing books. That's the only way I started to notice it. So you may not even notice how your anxiety is holding back your parenting. And I want to make it really clear that this episode isn't about blame or shame. And that's really important because self-love is the first step. I know that sounds so cheesy, but honestly, it is so true. Self-love is the first step to beating anxiety. Because when you love yourself and when you are comfortable in your skin, whatever your skin is, and you accept yourself for all the imperfections that you have going on inside and out, then you can let go of the anxiety. Because one, if it's social anxiety, you don't care. 
You don't care what other people think because you're okay with who you are. And so somebody else's opinion is not going to rock your world. Therefore, you're not anxious about hearing other people's opinions because you realize that it will have no power over you. And if it rocks your world, it will be a very quick rock and you'll move on (laughs) because it's not going to, it's not going to destroy you. Now, if you have anxiety around other things like fears or safety for your kids, and you feel like you're so overprotective, then when you start working on your anxiety, you're going to start to really soak up your kids. And when you accept that one, you love your parenting, you love who you are, and you love every moment that you have, you're not going to want anxiety to rob those times from you. So I think it's important not to beat yourself up and say, oh my gosh, my anxiety is ruining my parenting. That's what she's telling me. Or my anxiety is creating more anxiety in my kids. Or I can't advocate for my kids because of my anxiety. Beating yourself up about that is completely not helpful. I think the main point, well, I don't think I'm actually talking. So the main point is trying to empower you one small little step at a time to move towards your anxiety. One, to recognize it because you may not even recognize it. You may not realize to what level your anxiety is playing a role in your parenting and not in how you parent, but how you enjoy parenting. There's a difference. I'm not talking about, wow, you know, you're making your child wash their hands or they can't go up on the slide because you're afraid they're going to fall. You're holding your child back. I'm not talking about that. That's not what this episode is about. It's about how your anxiety is robbing the enjoyment of you parenting, that you're not soaking up the moments because you're getting lost in your worries or you're not able to smooth things out because you're lost in your fears. That's the part that we can work on. So you want to ask, what are your own anxiety themes? For me, I have to say safety is not really one of my themes, even though it was for me as a kid, I don't really spend a huge amount of time worrying about my children's safety. But then again, I think about it and I'm pretty protective you know, like my kids don't just go to the park down the street and, you know, my two little kids are first grade and third grade. And so that's probably a little protective. I don't say overprotective because I don't think it's really overprotective. I just, you know, I would rather be with them. It's like around the block. I wouldn't see them. So maybe that's overprotective to some of you, but safety isn't my main thing. I don't stay up late at night worrying about, are they safe? I don't think about, oh my gosh, are they safe while they're at school? I, it's not really one of my themes. My main theme was really my social anxiety. You know, I was worried that my kids were going to be embarrassing to me. Um, I have a child who likes to wear nail polish and he's a boy. And that was overwhelming for me that I was worried about what other people would think. And I didn't want him to be made fun of. And my little daughter, she liked to wear weird hats and not match all the time. And my social anxiety was just getting so much in the way that I wasn't enjoying who they wanted to be and who they were because I was so overwhelmed with one, what was it going to look like to other people and how is this going to draw attention to us? And when they needed my help, I wasn't able to advocate for them because I was worried about making a scene or, you know, putting a spotlight on me. So it was really holding, and then I'd feel bad about it, and that would make me feel even worse. So my theme was mainly predominantly social anxiety, and social anxiety is more about worrying about judgment and criticism and not about talking to other people. I'm an introvert, so I really don't like talking to people too much. (laughs) 
Um, I mean, I like having really good meaty conversations with people that want to have a really good meaty conversation. I'm just not good at small talk or like small talk kind of drains me. I like to have really good conversations. So, and I don't like it with a lot of people. I like one-on-one good conversations. That's a total introvert, but when you have social anxiety, you have the, the anxiety on top of it and that doesn't really help. So I started working on my social anxiety and all of a sudden I realized that I was able to let my kids sparkle and be who they want to be. And not only was I able to let them do who, whoever they wanted to be, they do them and I do me, but I was able to really enjoy them because I wasn't worried about how is this going to reflect on me? You know, if they acted out because of their anxiety or they did something weird because of their anxiety, that wasn't a reflection on me. That's my social anxiety talking, right? It was, it's who they are. If they wanted to be funky and weird and different, they wanted to wear nail polish and their boy, you know, that's their choice. Uh, I would warn them and I'll say, you know, it's not everybody's nice. So it's up to you, depending on how old they are, because I'm a very like blunt mom. And I'm like, Hey, you know, some people are not cool and they're mean and they might make fun of you. And then my son says to me, you know what? That's what they think. That's fine. I don't care what other people think. That's beautiful. And the reason partly why they are saying stuff like that is because they've watched me work on my own anxiety. They've watched me work on my own social anxiety. And so the benefit of really starting to get in tune with what your anxiety themes are, if you have anxiety, and even if you don't have an identified anxiety, what things are holding you back? What things make you nervous or stressed? And what are those themes? And then when you hone in on your theme, then you say to yourself, okay, how does that impact how I'm parenting? In what ways does that rob me of some enjoyment? Because it's, it's taking me away from the moment It's taking me away from the child and it's putting me in my head. And then once you identify those, you work on that and you work on yourself. Now, the cool thing is one, you start to soak up parenting again. And I've noticed that. I mean, I really intentionally try to enjoy my kids. And it hasn't been, but recently, I would say like in the last six months where I've really worked on being in the moment and really shutting my brain off and allowing myself to relax because I'm such a workaholic and really soak them up and be in the moment, not be in the, oh my gosh, stop doing that. You know, you're spilling everywhere. I guess I'm a little neurotic too, because like I wouldn't be able to cook with them because they're making a mess or they're being too loud. And that, that was all anxiety based. Like I was overstimulated because I was probably living at a higher level of anxiety. But the other good thing is besides soaking up my kids is they're seeing me work through my own anxiety in a healthy sort of way. So we want to model for our kids how to work on anxiety. Because if we're expecting them to work on their anxiety, you're listening to these podcasts, maybe you're taking classes, or maybe you're in private Facebook groups on anxiety, but they're all for your child. What about you? Because change starts with us. Be the change that you want to see in your children, right? We talk about that. Be the change you want to see in the world. Well, be the change that you want to see in your children. And in an uplifting sort of way. And it doesn't have to be all in one go. We tell our kids, you don't have to, you know, make huge strides 
just put one foot in front of the other, have one small victory in front of the next victory. And eventually you're going to be making some huge progress. The same goes for you. You don't have to get rid of all of your stress and anxiety themes overnight. They weren't developed in one night. They were developed over a lifetime. So just moving towards your anxiety or towards your fears instead of away from it, instead of major avoidance, that is huge. And then you're modeling it for your kids because I think a lot of times we want our kids to get better. We want them to sleep through the night or we want them to be able to go to school without worrying. But then we don't look at what kind of things are we dealing with? What kind of things are we modeling for our kids? My kids would see and they would call out my social anxiety. Even now, sometimes they will call out my social anxiety. If my kids grab flip-flops and they grab two different colors and I'll say, hey, those don't match. Go get another one. My kids will automatically now say to me, mom, I don't care what people think. And these are my feet and you shouldn't care what other people think either. Now they'll say that because I have been vocal about working on my social anxiety and I'm vocal with intention. And so we don't want to vomit our problems on our kids. That's not cool, right? But we want to do it with intention. And so I will sometimes share a story with them. I will say something like, you know what, you guys, you know, it was pajama day a while ago and you had two doctor's appointments and, you know, I challenged myself and I didn't tell the doctors that it was pajama day, even though my social anxiety was like, oh gosh, they're going to think I'm like one of those moms who let my kids walk around in pajamas all day. And I shared the story with them. I shared with them how I challenged myself and how it was difficult but it's good to challenge yourself when you have social anxiety because those kind of challenges make you stronger and make you realize that you don't have to explain yourself to people and they can assume whatever they want and that is okay. So I intentionally talked about that with like a lesson involved. So I'm not depending on my kids. So you don't want to take your anxiety and, you know, use your kids as a confidant. I think that sometimes when we talk about modeling or sharing your own anxiety with your kids, we have to be very careful about what that actually means. So if I'm anxious, let's say I'm anxious about paying the bills or something, I'm not going to grab my anxious child and be like, Oh gosh, you know, mommy's got anxiety too. You see all these bills here. I don't know how I'm going to pay all of them. And I'm really stressed out. I'm trying to have some green thoughts about it, but I'm really stressed out right now. Yeah. Don't do that. (laughs) You're just going to add to your child's stress and now you're both going to be stressed. That's not good. No, but you can with intention say something like, you know what, yesterday I had to do a a presentation at work and I didn't want to go in front of all those people. And, you know, my Mr. Worry was really bothering me. He was telling me all sorts of red thoughts like, oh, they're going to make fun of you or they're not going to think that you're so smart or my boss is going to be disappointed in my presentation. And I had all these green thoughts. I said, you know what? You prepared for this. And you know what? They wouldn't have asked you to do it if they didn't think you were knowledgeable. And I got up. And even though my heart was racing, I felt really sick because you can't help it if your Mr. Worry like hits the alarm button and you have all these physical symptoms, right? But even though I was feeling all of those things, I ignored the false alarm. I gave my presentation and guess what? They loved it. And I'm so glad I listened to my green thoughts. And my boss said it was a great presentation. And next time I don't think I'm going to be as nervous because it went so well. And I'm so glad that I did it and didn't avoid because I could have made an excuse and said I wasn't feeling well, but that would be growing my Mr. Worry. So that's just a random example, just making it up of how you would talk to your kids and model in a very intentional parental sort of way, how you're working on your own anxiety. So you don't have to be perfect. You're not going to be, I'm not perfect, 
but we want to we want to evolve just like we're asking our kids to evolve because life is constant evolution. Growth does not stop just because you're fully grown. Growth is happening all the way until the end. And you can have some amazing growth as you parent. Our kids can help us grow. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think it's not a one-way thing. I think our kids give to us as much as we give to them. And they they come in small little gifts and small little packages that you may not recognize. When they highlight our anxiety, that's a gift. When my anxiety got highlighted and I realized, oh my gosh, I feel like a fish out of water. I feel really like I feel like I'm back in high school. This is uncomfortable. That was a gift because then I was able to work on it. And then I was able to get rid of that. And now, you know, my Miss Seven, she's having a problem. She's, uh, it's not about her, this podcast episode, but she's having stomach issues again. And she's having problems going to the cafeteria because she has celiac disease. And so her stomach hurts naturally, but then she has social anxiety, speaking of which. And so she gets worried that she's going to throw up in the cafeteria. Now, normally in the past, my oldest child is 15 and she would have similar issues um, of her own, not that exact issue, but she would have issues. And I would never think about advocating or thinking about problem solving outside of our home, how to make an environment better for her or how to let people know about what's going on with her. Because when she was that age, I had full-blown social anxiety and I would never think about how to problem solve outside of working just directly with her. In fact, she had an OT, my oldest, she had an OT and she had, um, she had feeding therapy for a while cause she has sensory processing disorder. And I felt very overwhelmed and very judged just by the therapist that came into our home. And that, that was partly because of my social anxiety that I was so sensitive that even like when these people are coming into my house, we didn't always have the best people granted, but now I would just call them on it and I would not let someone say certain things to me. And, and then I would just put them in line and it would be done. But back then it would crush me and I'd privately suffer. So, you know, that, that just shows you the evolution of parenting. So she's 15. Now my seven-year-old, there's a big age difference between them, you know, is having problems with, in the cafeteria. Well, I didn't think twice about calling the principal and asking for a meeting. And I actually just had a meeting this morning and it went really well. And in the past, I would never have done that. And it was a simple meeting. And then the principal was awesome. And she was like, Hey, we could fix this. This isn't a big deal. We can come up with an alternative plan for her. And like within, you know, that 30 minute meeting, we got a plan developed and hopefully I haven't heard from her. She's still at school. Hopefully this plan is going to work out. And if not, that's okay. I'll go back and we'll, we'll adapt. But my point is that might seem really simple to some of you, but for someone with social anxiety, that that would never have happened. I would never have even thought to do that because my social anxiety was holding me back. But now that my social anxiety is in check, I'm able to not focus on me and my needs and how do I look as a parent or how do I even look as a child therapist with a child who has anxiety, right? It's genetic. I'm not taking that personally. You know, I mean, we can't control, you know, you can have an endocrinologist who has a child with diabetes, you know, it's like, that's going to happen no, it's all about her. How can I make her life better? And so I'm able to focus on her because I don't have to focus on me. So I hope that inspires some of you to, to do some soul searching and look at the stresses and the anxieties that you have 
And a lot of times we are so focused on helping our kids that we think it's selfish to help ourselves or focus on ourselves. And it's, it's totally the opposite. It's the whole mentality of put your oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your child. And that is just so true in parenting. Take care of yourself, focus on your anxiety in a positive way and work on that, model it with your children, partner with them. It's a family affair. Hey, you know what? Genetically, we can't do anything about the fact that we're all genetically doomed to get anxiety, but we can control what we do with it, right? So I might have been born with anxiety, but that doesn't mean I have to live with anxiety. And I say that to my kids all the time. We might've all been born with anxiety. It does not mean we have to live with anxiety. We didn't invite it into our house so we can kick it back out. And you can do that with your kids in a responsible, intentional sort of way where you're not loading them down with your problems, but you're, you're teaching them life lessons and you're modeling your ability to fight your own anxiety. And the best part about all of it is you're going to wind up really soaking up your kids in a much better way because you're focusing on them in the moment and not like, oh my gosh, what are they going to look like in two years or five years or 10 years? Or what am I looking like right now as a parent? You know, are people judging me? All that will go away. And you can just soak up your child for who they are today in this moment and who you are today in this moment with them. So I hope that you are finding the sparkle in everything you do. If you're enjoying my podcast, don't forget to leave a star on iTunes to show your support. If you have a few extra minutes, I'd greatly appreciate it if you can write a review. I am very grateful for people who take the time to write a review and to show my gratitude. I always like to end the show reading one of them. So I want to say thank you to Nicole Mom. She wrote, our youngest son, 12, has been experiencing anxiety and it took us completely by surprise, manifesting his anger. We thought he was just going to be our difficult child. Turns out we were missing and denying some pretty bright red flags. Thankfully, he is safe and we're learning so much about anxiety and parenting an anxious child through your podcast. And I'm so glad to hear that. Sometimes anger um, is the cover that anxiety likes to envelop itself into and it is easily missed. And so you are not alone in that a lot of us will think we are having a difficult child when we're actually having an anxious child. And awesome for you that you've looked at those red flags, you've discovered it, and you're being able to identify the problem that's hiding underneath. So thank you for your review. I really appreciate it. If you have something to say, please share it with everybody else. And maybe I'll be reading your review next time. All right. Well, I'll be talking to you next Tuesday. Take care. When I first discovered Natasha, I was in a desperate place with my son and his anxiety was getting worse and we had tried counseling and it was not going well. Natasha gave us practical tools. She wasn't like the books that we had read that were, you know, you have three kids, but somehow you can magically spend 10 hours a day on your one anxious kid and just, you know, life is great for the other two. She's helped me understand OCD on a level that no therapist I have come across seems to understand. Natasha had practical real life advice that we started implementing the day that we listened to them. Not only did it help with our son's anxiety, it helped my husband and I recognize um, the anxiety that we had in our parenting that was actually contributing to our children's anxiety. Her tools are, I mean, life-changing. She has been amazing, and I'm so thankful for the work that she provides to all of us who have children 
um, who battle anxiety and OCD. It is so exciting to see him about a year later, just thriving in school. She really has guided us the whole way and without her, our lives would be very different. We're very grateful. My husband and I are forever grateful to Natasha Daniels for helping us to figure out where to even start with anxiety. If you have a child with anxiety or OCD, she is your go-to woman. Parenting a child with anxiety is not easy, and sometimes it feels hopeless. And um, in a desperate time in my journey with my son, I started searching the internet and found Natasha Daniels. She has been a lifesaver. Her resources have given me hope. They've given me tools and support, and I I highly recommend her and her resources. They are phenomenal, and they are some of the best resources you can find out there for anxiety and OCD. Hi, my name is Natasha Daniels, and I understand what it's like to raise kids with anxiety and OCD. I'm doing it every single day. And I also know what it feels like to empower them, to give them the skills and tools to help themselves, to watch them blossom, face their fears, and become more than their anxiety and more than their OCD. And I want to do that for you as well. Join me in the AT Parenting Community where I partner with you and walk alongside you in your journey, helping you getting to know your family and your child's particular needs and particular struggles. I'll help guide you and walk you through ways to empower your own kids and see success in your house. You will finally have someone in your corner who not only has the understanding of your struggle, but has the expertise and knowledge to help get you through it. You can find out more about the AT Parenting Community at atparentingcommunity.com or you can text all one word AT Parenting Community to 44222. Together we can do this. She's really good and I hope I'll be like her. I have had OCD for over five years. I have trained my brain and you can do the same thing.